everyone, it's episode 366 of This Is Whole Life, and we have uh, gone into new waters again. It's a new series, it's a special guest, and it's one, two, three, four, five people in the studio this week, including our special guest who was the featured speaker this week in our new series. I don't want to contradict you, but there's actually six people in here. Oh, well, there is six, but... You, Only five with microphones. Would you stop with the math? Okay, because like I've I'm it's not Randy. I've been point. I've been I've been open to the fact that math is not my strong point. Math or counting? <laughs> well, maybe both. Uh, let's look. You know, we won't go too far to that. So, Rochelle, this morning we're gonna we have one thing else to get to, but I want to before we start to do anything else because I'll forget. You kind of laid out a little bit of who you were this morning in your message, but for those that haven't listened or might not catch the message. Why don't you introduce yourself to our podcast audience and just give them a little glimpse about who is Rochelle Wetmore other than Ken Wetmore's wife? <laughs> because that's I get I get a lot with oh oh you're Heather's husband. Yeah. Oh yeah. Great, great. Yeah, naturally. Yeah, Which sure, is good. I mean, I'm, I'm sure not, you get that a lot, Randy. I'm I sure have, it's not Heather getting, Oh, you're the podcast guy's wife, right? That's and I'm sure that's not a, <laughs> I have a story to tell you later, but yeah. It's, I, I, yeah, yeah. Bonus episode. Bonus episode. There we go. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Oh man, that's a, a big task. So my name's Rochelle Wetmore and I Oh, shoot, lots of things. Um, I'm a teacher. I'm a mom. I'm a wife. I'm a daughter. I'm a middle child. I talked about that today a yeah. little bit. Um, I'm an introvert, but I also enjoy people. And I really enjoy, especially really love children. I've loved children. I, I recognize differently than, than pretty much everyone else. But I just enjoy... Um, working with kids and their honesty and um i don't know I like kids can i say that you do you hide your introvert self really well like i would Thank have ne- i would have never guessed when i first met you and you know i mean we haven't interacted a ton but at the same time when ken has mentioned that you're you're more of an introvert and then i'm i'm like i started seeing more and more like correlations to my wife who some people don't always guess that, but in her heart, it's like, I love people. I love being around people. I just, oh, that's enough. That's yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I feel like church <laughs> probably sees more introvert than work does because um, I have to perform at work, if you want to call it yeah. that. And so I don't. I got to perform too. Have you met my that. boss? <laughs> yeah. So, I get you. I'm but, I, but I have been. I've said, people have said that before. On so. that performance thing, totally get it. Um, okay, before we get started and, and, and dive into the message and the rest, we have we got an email from, which I found out just a couple, well, about an hour ago, that it's a new member of the Whole Life Church. She's a regular online chat contributor and regular podcast listener, uh, Aaron. Hey, Aaron. Um, Hey, Aaron. Oh, Aaron Young. Yeah. And so they were voted in today, uh, new members, so that was cool. And Tim and and Melanie, you're official. We got voted in today, too. (laughs) I'm so relieved. We were all relieved. We were were all relieved about that I will say during staff meeting, there was an awful lot of extra discussion about that, so I don't know how to feel about that. (laughs) Thanks for finally voting voting us in. But yes, now I guess we're official, and Aaron and Pylander? Yeah, Highlander. Yeah, our our official also. So. Yeah, hashtag officially official. Yes. We had a number of uh, people that 
that we're joining today. I feel like yeah. we've I feel like we've spent a lot of time in staff meeting. For those that you don't that don't know, we do that in staff meeting and go through all the uh, the new people coming in. And it's been I feel like every week for the last couple it's been, it's like been a month or better have been people coming in. So it's good news. Yeah. So her email said, I wanted to chime in with my top picks in the Chronicles of Narnia books. Ah, here we so go. So here we go. In my opinion, best book of the series is Voyage of the Dawn Treader. Okay. 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 Number two. <laughs> Goes to the magician's nephew, mm. and then getting, third place. Getting colder as we go, <laughs> <laughs> and then third place, the lion, the witch, and the wardrobe. And she just, uh, for what it's worth, she said, definitely read the books over watching the movies because the movie for Voyage of the Dawn Treader leaves oh, yeah. out the mm. best part of the story, yep. in my opinion, for sure. So I wonder it. what the best part is in her opinion. Yeah, I'd be I, I wonder if it's the part where where Aslan. Slices the dragon. Hashtag spoiler alert. Oh, sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for those of us who, you know, haven't read sorry. the books or seen the movie. Get on it, Randy. Have you, have you, you had a whole books? week. Yeah, I'm a wet more. You're, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's required reading as well. I mean, yes. But I mean, Ken and I actually started reading the books. I had never read them until I started dating Ken. But then Ken and I read them together when we were dating. And then my children have pretty much memorized them, listened to them over and over. My daughter has had extensive conversations with peers, and yeah, so it's a pretty I think you big... and I just became besties. <laughs> I haven't read the books either until I met Ken. <laughs> just to be clear, we're not dating. I will be reading the books, so I, I, think, I think these I might <laughs> they're, actually... They're good. I may actually get these on... I might, might do the John Monday and do the ebook on this. Seems like the thing to do. It's not a bad idea. Yeah, just because whatever. Easy. If it were me, I would listen. I would listen to the audiobook. Oh, that's right. I'm you did mention saying. that last week. Audio. Yeah, we, ha- we have them all. We may have the CD hmm. series that you could borrow. Oh, you, after all, you have let me yeah. borrow some things. So what wait, what? CDs? What's a CD? I, I still know. Have, I, know it's, <laughs> I still have ways to this metallic, shiny, disc thing. I still God, have. I still it. have the. Uh, I still have the hardware to turn that into an MP3. So <laughs> no there you go. I don't problem. know what the copyright is on that, but I mean, at this point, <laughs> copy what? Yeah, okay. I copy. You copy? I will copy. I don't All know. Right. Copy the copy. Here we go. The views of some people on this show are not endorsed by Whole Life well, Church. Or, <laughs> or any of its subsidiaries. Um, okay, so I really resonated with your message because the more I listened, the more I kept thinking about how Heather has described herself and described different situations in her life and realizing that being that caregiver personality and there's so often when you, I feel like, well, Ken and I know by the DISC assessment that we're like nearly twins when it comes to how we, you know, we're, we're not the caregivers. Um, <laughs> so, Come on, Rochelle, defend me here. <laughs> if you are in the studio, you see my wife shake her head and shrug. shrug. Like, yeah, it is. Yeah. The silence is loud in here. <laughs> the shrug of shame. Well, you, you did have a, an associate pastor at one point admire your empathy, and I was curious about that. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, this actually could <laughs> go for a lot longer than normal. I think we have Jeff yeah. in here for his uh, counseling abilities. Really, yeah, really, uh, really rethinking this podcast with, uh, with the voices of yeah, whole life. The, vo- yes. <laughs> the thing that I was I was wondering is what would you tell? Because I think a lot of people end up in it. It may not be always in a family situation. It could be your coworkers. It could be well, it could be family members. It could be couples. And it, and you said. I didn't, you know, when Ken was the first person to ask you if you were mad, 
or that you remembered asking you if you were mad and finding out about boundaries late in life. <laughs> and I think there's, I don't think that's, I don't think that's abnormal. I think that's probably no. more normal than we think. And so what would you give, like we just had last week, two of our members get married, young, young members uh, on the AV staff, Matt and Amy. Yes. Mm -hmm. Like, what would you tell that someone new that was like, learn, if this is you, <laughs> learn about boundaries. How would you, what would you tell them to look for how to find that? Because if it doesn't, or apparently it's not completely obvious and I don't know what those reasonings are that it's not when maybe you're one of those people that are feeling that way. Or for those of us on the other side, it's not obvious to us that there's a problem, obviously, because you can tell by responses that you're not getting the empathy that you're looking for <laughs> or the understanding or the patience. So what would you, what was, what's your best advice for someone who shouldn't take the long way around? Well, it's always hard to know what you don't know, right? Yeah. I mean, you've always experienced life in your circumstances and with your perspective. And so it's easy to not know um, about yourself. So I would say, you know, my advice is be curious about mental health, be curious about emotional and social emotional skills. Um, Brene Brown has amazing books. I've, Mr. Rogers and all his um, documentaries are also amazing. So I would just, you know, be looking for resources. There's another book called uh, Permission to Feel. There's a book about highly sensitive people. That's really how I started is when I found myself in a place of burnout, I just started looking for why. And I would go to Google and I would Google <laughs> in, how do you fix this? Or what about this? Or how do you, and just start asking. And then there's also a ton of, um, like a lot of the research I was using for today's sermon was off of like psychology today, or I don't know, just a bunch of like um, medical, I, you know, I try to make sure that it's at least um, a medical related thing. And what advice, if I had my marriage to do over again, and knowing where I was starting at and where Ken was starting at, if you can, I think doing a year of counseling proactively to set up good habits would have gone a very, very long way in dealing with the complicated dynamics that you don't even understand of communicating both with him, with extended family, with setting boundaries at the beginning. And so if you are just starting life, that's really what I would do is I would just do counseling for a good year. So we're doing it wrong. We're coming to Jeff after the fact when really we should have started with Jeff. Well, well ask Jeff, is it easier yeah, to fix Jeff. a problem at the beginning or after? <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, I've always thought of, you know, I, matter of fact, I have people now that are actually doing counseling before they get engaged, yeah. which I think is healthy, actually. Yeah. But you bring up a really, really good point, and that is that a lot of times we think of boundaries as just protectionary. Mm -hmm. Like, I need to protect my family of origin, or I need to protect who I am as an individual, and I set up these boundaries. And they don't learn early on that boundaries are actually much more about defining meaning than they are about establishing protectionary uh, limits. So yeah, to have them start to realize, oh, boundaries not only help me, they help us and they provide a posture of meaning in our relationship. So I think it's really, really important. No, I'm, I'm glad you said that because that was my next question for you is going to be the word boundaries sounds like an immediate defensive move. Yeah. Like yeah. Oh, I'm setting up boundaries for you because in my head I'm thinking, well, boundaries, well, what did I, what did I do? What, what didn't, what shouldn't I have done? Or where if you're saying that this is proactive, 
and actually like laying the the ground rules for the game that everybody agrees to that that's well it goes to what Rochelle said in her sermon too I mean I think that's the part that that Martha had an issue with is that <laughs> she had you know and and she would and most of us would say that it's like well if I don't do this who you know how how are y'all going to get fed and I think Jesus was helping understand no what I'm asking you to do is let me in my like Mary's let me in and I think the boundaries are not just about keeping people. We usually think about them being walls, mm-hmm. but they're actually, you know, if you think about a boundary, a boundary is actually kind of invisible in a way, right? Yeah. It's establishing, you know, a sense of propriety and a sense of jurisdiction. But also you get a chance to say who gets in and who doesn't get in and what gets in and what doesn't get in. So You know, boundaries, I mean, one of the easy ways to think of it is just like, you know, when you're out driving on the road. I mm-hmm. mean, there's lines on the road that you can cross over them, but there's yep. going to be problems when you do. And if you stay within, the boundaries are, I mean, if there were no lines on the road, imagine the mayhem of, you know, yeah. if there was just paved surfaces and everybody just went wherever they went. You'd have mayhem, and so boundaries are actually kind. They're loving, and and for some of us, you didn't grow up with families that taught us about boundaries, and where we were taught that, as as one of my colleagues used to say, that no is a complete sentence. You know, for, right, yeah. for me, no in our family, no is just where the uh, where the where the bargaining is. began. You know, <laughs> yeah, that's, right. that was that was the the start. It's like, oh, okay, gay, we got you know, we got to know. Now we get to go ahead and discuss what we're really going to do and who's going to do what. And so you can imagine, you know, when you talk about you know what Rochelle, you asked Rochelle what she would do over in her marriage or and for the two of us, I mean, we came from kind of almost a perfect storm type of setting. She grew up in, in a family where she didn't have really boundaries and didn't really have a voice that she felt comfortable using and where she was told to just, just you know, just get with the program. I came from a family where it was like we also didn't have boundaries, but it was in a different kind of way. It was like just you, you fight for yourself and push for what you need. And so that was my you know, I'm incredibly assertive and Rochelle is incredibly not assertive. And so when when you get into that situation, what's going to happen? I'm going to walk all over top of Rochelle because Rochelle is just trying to please and trying to, to well, you know, that's what I'm supposed to be doing. And, and I'm like, perfect. <laughs> yeah. This is what I wanted. And so it, it's been a real process for the two of us because I've had to learn um, not perfect yeah, yeah. Not perfect. I need to, and it's hard, and it's ongoing, and it's you know, it's it's one of the things that you go into marriage not knowing that you need, and definitely not yeah. wanting, and not enjoying as you're learning it. But it's definitely one of the things I think that that Rochelle has made me a better person because my personality has always been to walk if I want it, go go get it, and it's everybody else's job to say no. And really mean it, and and almost have to be nasty about it, instead of me being saying, re, trying to read the cues and say, "Oh, you don't really, you're, you're, you're giving in, but you don't really want to be." That's not good. I think that's hard, though. For like you said, when you come from totally different backgrounds, and I was much the same, where it was just like, you know, my mom was always like, "Well, if you get yourself into trouble." Better, better lean on yourself to get yourself back out. Don't call me. I, I didn't help you get in. I'm not helping you get out. So, you know, having that, that, that attitude, but also not realizing, I think, that 
how deep I always knew that that Heather was was a peacekeeper, but I guess I early on I never understood how deep that sentiment was in her or how powerful it was and just how much how far she would go. I didn't I never assumed because she was so confident in, in in a lot of other ways, and you just don't you don't equate that. Then, and it's not a, it's not a weakness. I, I well, maybe it is. I don't know. I don't think it's a weakness. I think it's a great personality trait. If you have, you know, if you have, like you said, you've got the boundaries, and you know what no is, and is it a good time? Is it what God wants for me? Once you've answered kind of all those things, and you have that base, but to not. But for me, it was just a, a, a not realizing just how how tender that spot is and how easily damaged and how long it takes to repair that damage. And, and yeah, I would do things differently I, if we had a chance to do it again. I know I would, and I'm sure she would, too. Well, there is a lot of um, um, conflicts, I think, in a—I mean, if—, if if you know much about the birth order theory, which it is just a theory and it's not, you know, um, used for defining people, but middle children also tend to be very independent. So it does give across this and that you don't need, because that's honestly when I start to get challenged in this accusing me of being a victim type thing, <laughs> I'm like, no, I'm not. I don't need you. I don't need anybody. But that's part of the problem is we are really independent and we will push people away really quickly because um, of all of the dynamics. And it's interesting in Ken's family, there's not a middle child in his family. Uh, mine so there's only an older child and a younger child. And so that is a huge different dynamic. I don't know what my family would be like if there was only four of us, because I was told before my sister was born, which I do not remember, that I would throw tantrums and have big pits and, and have all this stuff. I don't remember that yeah. right, at all. Heather was the oldest in her family. There's Her yeah. brother um, is the middle and then a younger sister, but she's 12 years younger. So it was a lot a lot younger. So I don't know if that yeah, makes, I don't I don't know. Know if that makes a difference. There's all kinds of things. It's, inter- it's interesting. But, but what you just said, though, I think that independence, I always saw that as such a strong trait. And it was one of the things that attracted me to Heather because she was so confident in herself and her abilities and who she was as a person and specifically spiritually. I always thought that she, or, and she exuded, you know, a love for Jesus that she was confident in, confident in and had confidence in what she not only believed, but what she could learn and, and she could teach others just by, you know, talking about uh, spiritual things. And that, that was one of the things that really attracted to me. So you don't, for some of us, we just don't put two and two together that just because th- this doesn't always equal this when like a confidence across the board or different things. And, but the, the other thing I wanted to, before we get to questions that, Speaking of Martha, I always felt like if Martha had just sat down, that Jesus would have just been like, create. That would have been another miracle of the meal. Of the meal. <laughs> I mean, he, he didn't know how to make loaves and fish. Oh, right. right. So, so yeah, I, I you, kind you of always wondered, like, if that hadn't happened, and this is probably not true, but you know, he needed the story apparently to so for Martha to feel that way. But I think it. But, it oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I was just gonna say, Randy. For me, when Rochelle came and started talking to me about her idea for this sermon when she specifically started talking about the story of Mary and Martha that where you know Mary's uh, sitting at Jesus feet while Martha's slaving away in the kitchen I'd never really seen it through that lens before so for me I really appreciated what Rochelle brought up because I'd never really seen Martha as a people pleaser I'd always come at it from the angle that Rochelle talked about that most people do is like 
oh, you know, Mary has wanted the greater thing, which is to be at Jesus' feet. Shame on you, Martha, for not yeah. going in and being at Jesus' feet, which I think there's some validity to that. But I also think it's an interesting thing that maybe Martha was a people pleaser. Maybe it wasn't, maybe she wasn't so much in the kitchen because that's where she wanted to be and because that's where she felt Jesus asking her to be, but because she was trying to make Jesus and the disciples impressed with, look how hard I work for you. Look at all the stuff I'm doing. I'm worthwhile. I'm a good person. I'm worthy of being a part of your, you know, your inner circle, Jesus. And Jesus said, well, but is that where you want to be? Is that, is that where you feel like I'm asking you to be? Wouldn't you rather be in here with me just like Mary? Because that's what I hear Martha saying. Martha's, Martha's like, I'd love to sit out there too, but I've got to be, yeah. you know, and, you me and Jesus said, well, why not? Why not? Who told you you had to go into the kitchen? Well, and I think that's the interesting thing is the Bible does not give a lot of um, specific details on this. So we don't know what Martha was doing, if she was doing extra cleaning. I know that when I get in my perfectionist. We have company coming and everything has to be perfect. That list can be really long and oh, it's yeah. just, and it's motivating and whatever, but it's also not necessarily necessary. And so was there a need? I mean, would, would Jesus, Jesus was pretty progressive. I mean, would they have all pitched in and just gotten the food ready, sit down and just kept it super simple? Would, um, or was there just a lot of extra that she was doing? And so that's kind of the question mark I have, because I don't think Jesus wants us to not be responsible and, and do things. I just think that sometimes simple is better. I like what you just said. I thought the, uh, I was just picturing if, you know, as they were coming, if she just said, Hey Jesus, I'm really feeling a need to provide food here. And I know this is like my, the role I'm going to take, whether I want to or not. If you had just sent the disciples out and said, Hey, go get, go get us some food. Martha doesn't need to cook. She needs to be here with the rest of us. It's fun to play with what you think, you know, could have been, might have been. Maybe that somebody you... would have uh, invented Grubhub earlier. Oh, oh, like, oh, first century Grubhub. Well, I had to wait just... 2,000 years <laughs> because Martha. Because of Martha. Thanks, Martha. <laughs> I, and also, I just think when people get together, there's so much bonding and social needs being met. And if you are excluding yourself out of that to take care of everybody, you're not actually um, getting that relational side. And that's a huge miss for you. Well, it's a huge miss because you're preparing also the very thing that is also going to bring them closer because we all we all know that we enjoy hanging out over food and drink and, and being together together. And so she was probably stuck with cleanup too. Well, that's what I was thinking. So that, as soon as they're done eating, she goes right back right. to work. And so that's the thing is you're not ever allowing yourself to have people time, connection yeah. time, people connection time. And the other part that I just wanted to, to touch on, and I was looking at, uh, probably looking at staff here more than than you, but what about, you know, how sometimes I think we we feel kind of like Martha when it comes to ministry, because it's our job, you know, but if, it's, if nobody else doesn't, and then if there's extracurricular things that need to happen off hours and things, and it's like, well... Yeah, but that's that's my job. I, you know, I work for God or I work for the church. And so it's expected and how it can become that same thing where we really don't want to say no, <laughs> but we certainly aren't like excited to say yes either. Like, sure, I'll, sure, I'll raise my hand. Sure. And how that affects what we do each week and, and just how that 
how maybe we should be looking at what we, what, what all of us would do. I mean, this can go towards people that volunteer. How do people, I mean, do they, are, do we feel like we are having to give of our time, talent, and treasure in the same way? Because, well, I guess, right? That's what we're supposed to do. It's almost, I don't know what the antidote is for someone that feels that way that maybe hasn't, maybe they haven't found that reason or they haven't found that the boundary they're setting in other places to make it so it's not a burden. I don't know what that balance looks like sometimes, even for myself. I mean, I'll admit it. It's you kind of feel like I'm stretched a little bit too far. And who should I say? <laughs> who should I say no to? So I think that even if you don't have a maybe if you have a more outgoing personality, it still still comes up. So Well, one of the things that I, I appreciate about we're busy. We are we we work probably way more than it would appear from the outside. But one of the things that I do appreciate is the intentionality. I mean, you know, Ken insists that we take a day off during the week. And and um, probably if he didn't, we all would just be working seven days a week with <laughs> with no break, no Sabbath. Every know. other church I've been at, I've worked pretty much seven days a week. And one of the things that, as I think I probably mentioned before, that when I came here, I took some time to really reflect on what was not going right before, and one of those things was that I was going seven days a week, and it's an easy thing to do as a pastor because you're like, oh, it's just an hour or two. Oh, it's just an hour or two on Sunday. Oh, it's just, oh, it's my, you know, Monday's my day off. I'll, I'll just, I'll run to this appointment for two or three hours, and it's it's not a big deal. Well, it is a big deal. It starts adding up. This staff is a hardworking staff and at Whole Life, and... Um, but one of the things that I have been trying to implement in my life, I remember working uh, in a conference office and having my boss come in. I told him how overwhelmed I was feeling. And, and my boss would come in to work. He would show up around 6.30 or 7 in the morning. And he would, when I left in the evening, if I was leaving around 6 or 6.30, he was still there. And I remember him saying, oh, Ken, I'm in a different place in life than you. It's okay. Don't worry about it. And yet, and I love this leader. He's phenomenal. But the message I got in my head was I am not living <laughs> up to what I ought to be. And so one of the things I've really tried to do here at Whole Life is model what I would like to see everybody else doing, that take care of yourself. Because if I'm not doing it, I can tell everybody else to do it. But if I'm not doing it, then it it's, it sends another message. And I'm not perfect at this. I'm still trying to, because I love to work. I love what I do. This is like a great job. I, I I mean, I really, to me, if I'm working seven days a week, it's not, I'm not sitting there going, oh, this is awful. I hate it. I'm, I'm enjoying it. I'm enjoying it until I get to a point where I'm just tired and frazzled and worn out. And I suddenly start finding myself feeling angry and resentful. And I can't figure out why I'm having a good time. <laughs> Oh, darn. Who was it that did this to me again? Oh, yeah, me. <laughs> I think it's important that you can always, always find things to fill your time with. And there's also always, always places that you can cut. And you may not want to. And you may feel like it's a good thing that you're cutting. But there are always places you can cut. Always. And, and that doesn't necessarily mean you need to cut forever. I mean, I, I, one of the, I did a devotional with some teachers once about fall and how 
And there are there are seasons when you can do more. And then there's seasons that if you're if a tree, a, the one that drops its leaves, does the same amount of energy all year round, it would die because it doesn't have the light that it needs. And mm, so yeah. and I think that that's important with seasons of life, too, that there really are times if you do not do less, you will die. But you could do that same thing later depending on wherever you're at before. or maybe even before or mm, whatever. It's just something, confusing. it's just something you have to work out between you and God. So nobody can go to anybody else and say, this is what you should do and what you shouldn't do. But it also doesn't give you permission to do less. God, God has the right amount you should be doing. And if serving and giving back, he wants us to be doing that. So if you're never doing that, then you need to look at the whys. I want to share something, and if uh, Rochelle decides she doesn't like it, Randy knows how to cut it out. Um, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> oh, sorry, and Randy's laughing it's now. Fun. So oh, wow, okay, but, good thing Jeff is here. But huh? no, but but, but <laughs> yeah, we, we may need some counseling afterwards, you know, <laughs> um, But Rochelle shared in her sermon how um, she started a pre-K program, um, and how she got burnt out over time. I think she was being kind to me because what she didn't mention is that while she was starting that pre-K program and taking care of her kids, her parents, and her school, she was also my wife, the pastor's, the senior pastor's wife at this church. And so she was doing all these unpaid duties as well. She was showing up to all the baby showers. She's showing up to uh, Friday night, Saturday night, Sunday programs. And so you talk about here I am telling you I'm taking off a day a week. My wife is going seven days a week. She's and as much as everybody would like to to say just come and, and every by genuinely means it. So I take nothing away. But everybody's like, oh, you just you're just a person here. You're not. You don't don't feel like the pastor's wife. You're just. But it's never that way. It can't it's, be. Yeah. It's never that mm-hmm. way. In as much as people genuinely mean it, it comes from a really good place. It's never that way. And so Rochelle was going seven days a week and 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 that led to burnout. And so one of and I and I was pushing, I was like, hey, you know, it doesn't look good when you're not at church here on, on Sabbath morning. I, I really I need you to, you know, it, it looks a little strange if I'm sitting by myself up on that front pew. And and I hope that and and I I you know, I had people here sometimes say, Well, where's Rochelle at? Because one of the things that we've changed in our life is Rochelle doesn't have to be here on Sabbath morning. If she's had a hard week, if she's not feeling Amen. well, if things aren't right and, and she needs to take some self-care time and watch the service from home because that's the way it needs to be for her to be well, then that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah. it's it's important for her to take care of herself. And and I struggle with that because I'm a you know, my background is communication, public relations, and I know how things look. And I know, you know, there's this expectation that your family is there and that they that there's a certain look and, and way that, that people are. But it's been important for Rochelle and I to change those definitions around and say, you, this is not your, you're not getting a paycheck for being here. And and I'm not getting a paycheck for you being here either. And so we need to, yeah, there, there's still things that obviously, Rochelle, but we've tried to say, what is it that you feel God calling you to do? Where is it that you feel like God needs you to do? And it's been something that I've had to change, have a mind shift change myself. And it's one of the things that I think that we have to be really careful with our spouses. And it's not just pastors and their wives and or and their husbands. 
it's it's a lot of us put pressure on our spouses to do things that do they really need to be doing that is that really and so i i think that's something we have to think about a little bit so i don't know i hope no i, I think rochelle's probably okay with me sharing that no but. i love i love that because i mean it's I'm a glad you're okay with it randy well that, <laughs> <laughs> we all looked at rochelle unexpectedly yeah, we have we have the well and here's our good our good definition of those who are assertive randy and i are like yeah that's that's right and then yeah. and rochelle's like yeah, you know. As she sits here in a podcast, kind of mandatory. <laughs> well, I wasn't gonna, I wasn't gonna put her on the spot, so you know, I was just gonna keep on moving just in case. No, but I think that's, I think that's a, that's healthy though for even for the podcast and for people to hear and to know that, you know, there's there should be an expectation, and that's a perfect example of things that I think people go to church understand, or if you've ever had a loved one who was a pastor, and uh, my uncle was a pastor for a long time, had multiple churches, and my aunt was always like, yeah, here we go, here we go, here we go. And you're always having to be on. Like you said, there's never, you don't get that. The expectation is, or has been, that you don't get that time to, well, where's your wife? You know, and it's like, I just think that's a great way to look at it and to, and for us to, to celebrate that, honestly. Yeah, and I want to thank Whole Life for that. You know, when I interviewed for this position, that's one of the things I said in the interview. I said, look, my wife is not a package deal with me. Um, she's an amazing human being. And when she wants to, where she wants to help out and how she feels got feeling. Her, but maybe Rochelle, maybe Rochelle doesn't feel to, called to volunteer at Whole Life. Maybe she feels called to volunteer with another great nonprofit here in the area, or maybe that's where she, or maybe, and, and maybe her job, and, and in fact, I shouldn't say maybe, but her job is ministry too. Absolutely. She, she does ministry as it is somebody who's helping young kids grow and develop. So, you know, I'm always grateful when Rochelle is with me because I like being with my wife. I think it's, and, and there's so much, this job tends to be so all encompassing. It's hard sometimes if to to have time together but that's another thing i've had to realize is that time on the job isn't you know a date night you know <laughs> going to the going to the saturday night uh social honey let me sweep you away to prayer meeting <laughs> <laughs> you mean you mean those and it's been so hard for me to understand that <laughs> but i have my arm around you yeah, yeah. i light some candles <laughs> there was there was boxed panera there come on that's dinner <laughs> Oh, that's but this awesome. church has been incredibly good to us and understanding. That's um, awesome. So I appreciate that. Was somebody? I felt like somebody was about to say something. Well, I was just going to say that I really, Rochelle. One of the things that I appreciate is your is your self disclosure, and I, I was fascinated with the story that you told about you know Ken asking you, "Are you mad? Are you, you know Are you angry?" And you weren't sure. And I was thinking, wow, you know. I'm, I'm the kind of person that's like, let's see, how do I actually feel? Let me go to the thesaurus and find the exact <laughs> word. I'm feeling truculent. I'm feeling... <laughs> oh, those words are for you, Nathaniel. Just, um, yeah, d- different conversation. But what, what I appreciated was that... Um, you know, you're, you're sharing from a place of, of having gone through a process. And I was, I'm curious about two things. One, what was the process of beginning to identify your feelings and um well I'll, I'll ask that question first what what was that process like when you when you discovered that you needed to identify those feelings and how did you work through that uh let's see i think 
It's hard because it was kind of a this built on this built on that kind of thing. But I feel like Brene Brown really hit hit the nail on the head when I was reading and watching some of her uh, talks about how little people understand about emotional health and how important it is to know that. So um, I think that was inspiring. I also started um, logging my feelings. I try to. I need to. But I try to on an app so that I can actually look. And, and one of the things that's been kind of helpful is it will list like a whole bunch of different ones. And I can just I just go through each one. OK, do I feel this or don't I? And I just kind of evaluate it just as kind of a starting place. You always learn when you teach. So I teach my kids. I try to teach them different, my students, different uh, vocabulary and look for, okay, what would be a healthy way to manage this and that kind of thing. So uh, probably that, just trying to just be more intentional. And then when I do find myself feeling overwhelmed, I'm, I try to just take a step back and try to, okay, so how am I feeling right now? What what would the names of that be? So just as a practice, it's, you know, you start with one step and then you just keep so Rochelle, Rochelle, a question that kind of came up in my mind, I imagine there might be some people out and think, well, what, what does it even matter if you can name your emotions? I mean, why does it matter to be able to put a name on the emotions you're feeling? Uh, well, Mr. Rogers tells us that anything we can name, I don't know <laughs> if he says, he doesn't say we, whatever you can name, you can tame, but he says that anything is man- manageable if you can speak it or something like that. There's a quote. If you can't label it, you can't identify it. And if you can't identify it, it just ends up um, working itself out through you in unhealthy ways. Physically. I mean, people, it literally can cause you physical illness when you're not able to manage the emotional illness or, or hurt or pain that you're feeling. And so. Well, and the other thing is, as I've studied social emotional your feelings like anger, for example, you may not know, or maybe you do, that anger is a secondary emotion. It's usually followed very quickly, but there's usually a core emotion that comes before that anger. And so that before emotion is, is important to identify if you want to understand your anger. Your anger often is just trying to protect you. But when you pay attention to those feelings, they are usually telling you something important in life. For example, angry could be telling you that there's a boundary that needs to be defined that you're ignoring in your own life. And so you need to understand that. Or angry could be that you need more sleep. I mean, it could be a lot of things, but taking the time to understand the why helps you make the adjustments you need to make. Mm. I like the sounds of that. Melanie, did you have a second question? I do have a second question, and I I would like you to tell us the truth. Okay, Uh-oh. Rochelle, you secretly preach at other places, don't you? This, <laughs> this can't be the first time you've ever preached a whole sermon. <laughs> so uh, the official sermon, yes, I've not actually preached a sermon before. I have done a a few, very few, um, small smaller group settings. I did address a pastor's wife group once, talking about things. I. I did recently do some professional development for my school on social emotional um, health and stuff. And so that was, or learning, I guess is what it was. But that was like really a, a co thing. But it's again, it's people more sitting in a circle or with tables and there's more interaction. Uh, I'm trying to think. I did do a, um, a testimony kind of sermon co with Ken once, but that was again only like a 10 ish minute thing compared to. Yeah. So, but that's about it. Actually, I was really just giving you a hard time. That was that was my sort of backwards <laughs> way of paying you a compliment. <laughs> well, I'm going to give you. 
No, but no, 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 no. But it's yeah. I don't know. I I enjoy. I I don't know. I've, I don't know. I don't know how to. You're almost. I think you were almost about to say you enjoyed it. Yeah, and, and I now that I know that you I have this, this hidden talent, that's, well, see, that's, that might be a problem for you. But she knows very, whole life. Well, she says she's enjoying it, <laughs> that it comes back. I feel like, just like everybody that I'm ever talking to, people don't know so much about social emotional skills. And I feel like it's really important. And I admire Mr. Rogers so much. And the only way you can really help people is to be talking. And so I very much, I don't know that I have to get up and do sermons, but I very much am looking for ways to give back because I don't think that there's any point in knowing stuff if you're just going to hoard it. Mm. Well, something this important as well, definitely. All right, let's get to the questions. We had, it was slow, slow, slow. And then when they, when Haas put out the warning that, guess what? We're taping the podcast this afternoon. If you want your question answered, you have to give them now. It was like, they started just piling in. So Aaron said, I resonate so much with what Rochelle is saying. How do you know when you're doing self-care that is not selfish or if it is me being selfish? I really struggle with this because I feel like I'm selfish when I say no, for example, or I'm not doing what someone else wants if it is something that isn't a sin to do. So how do you know when you are doing self-care that is not selfish or when you're being selfish? How do you how do you how do you know that? I think you can only know that um, with your own reflection and time with God as well as, you know, kind of working the steps that I laid out in in our sermon, in my sermon, I guess, because I don't think that there is a clear-cut answer that's the same for me as it is for somebody else. I think you can know you're being selfish if you're finding yourself being lonely, angry, bitter, and upset. And I think you can know you're doing too much if you're doing finding those same feelings. And I think the balance of the two, which is peace, positive, um, you're, you're, you're thriving emotionally. If you're not thriving emotionally, you need to figure out why and what adjustments you need to make. And why, why are you feeling guilty about being selfish? Mm. Figure out those reasons why. And it will take time. I mean, it's taken me a long time to get to the place where... I'm willing to say no to things that I didn't think I used to be able to say no to. I used to think I have to, I have have to to do this and I have to go to, I have to meet everybody else's expectations. And the the truth is you really just don't. Yeah. I thought, and I just want to just jump in and say, I really appreciate what Michelle said is like, you don't always have to say no. You can say, let me think about that. Yeah. And, And give yourself a little bit of time to say, is this good for me? Is this, is this Okay, so this is this is a good thing to do. There's nothing immoral with doing it. But am I able to stay up with what Rochelle said? Am I able to continue doing my self-care practices? Am I is 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 taking this new thing on going to mean that I can't exercise anymore? That I'm not able to do worship when I when I was planning on doing it? Is it mean that I'm going to take time away from other things? Um, you know, I I had a mentor who used to tell me he said every time you say yes to something, you're saying no to something else. And so it's important to know what you're wanting to do and what what what's important. So if if you're saying if you're saying yes, I'll do this, you might be having to say no to spending time with your with your children when they're when they're available, or you might be saying no to having a meal um, mm. at a, at a at a healthy time for you. Which again, all those things can pile up on each other. So 
really look at that list that Rochelle had in the sermon. You can go back onto our, our website and you can look up the sermon. And she had a couple lists that I thought I thought they were really good. They, they offered you some really concrete ways to kind of know when to say yes and when to say no. I think the other thing is it's really easy to live inside of a box and think your options are this or this, which maybe you can't do something every day or even once a week. Maybe the answer is to do it once a month. And so I think to explore other ways of meeting a goal and not sacrificing everything else could be to just get creative. Not all or nothing. Yeah, it's not always all or nothing. Well, I, I like that you basically laid out that it's a balance because either way, if you do it wrong on either side, you end up lonely, angry, and bitter. So it's like, you, <laughs> and, know, yeah. you better figure out the balance because either side, it brings you to the same place. And I, and I wonder how often those of us that with different personalities are feeling the same thing, but we don't resonate with the other side because our lonely, angry, and bitter is a different, but it's for different reasons. And you go, this, you know, like, how, how can we find this, both find balance in the same place? And brings us to Matt and Aaron, which essentially asked the same question. Matt said, which one should we trust the most, head, heart, or gut? And Aaron <laughs> said, how do you tell the difference between your head, your heart, and your gut? So how do we tell the difference? And then once we know which one we're supposed to trust, then which one should we trust the most? All right. Well, your head is going to be the thoughts in your head, just the stuff that you're <laughs> thinking. Your gut is going to be those feelings. You know, you can actually feel if you're if you're paying attention to your emotions, they are you actually physically feel emotions as well. And so you're paying attention to where in your body you're feeling it. And I don't know, there's just there's just these there's it's it's weird, but you get gut feelings that's mm. different than necessarily your your head thinking. Like I, how many times have it been like, I know gut that I should be doing this, but my logic is telling me something different. There is a, a conflict with that. And then your heart tends to focus specifically on your emotional, um, your emotional intelligences and what you really want and what you really don't want that's not necessarily logical. I always say I'll put my wife's gut against anyone. Every time she's got a gut feeling and, and she'll she'll go, my gut's telling me to do this, but I you know I really yeah. want to do this. Your heart, yeah. is, your gut is telling you what you should do because it probably knows you as well without any interference. It's just giving yeah. you the raw data. I feel like, and then your heart's like, yeah, but, and your head's like, what are you crazy? Don't you remember what happened before? And um, so there was something that just happened recently. And she's like, you know what? I should have trusted my gut. It, it, the gut's always right. And I think, uh, you know, maybe it's a little bit of finding out how your body or how you deal best with situations that come up and play the odds. <laughs> there's a lot of, there's a lot of, movies and and messages in the world that says, you know, your gut, follow your heart, um, think things through, you know, that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. I think, honestly, if you are going to prioritize one area of your body over the other, you're going to be cheating yourself out of the messages your body is sending you. Hmm. I honestly think that they have different functions. And if you actually take the time to write out everything and you pray over it, I think clarity comes. Okay. But I don't think you can say that you should discard one over the other. I think that that is cheating yourself out of important messages your body is sending you. Hmm. That's my personal opinion. I don't know, Jeff, what would well, you say? Well, I was just going to say, I, first of all, we're really 
pretty nuanced, complicated beings that to think that you're right if you're just going to go on one. Um, that's not how we work. And we don't have just one feeling to identify. We've got multiple feelings to identify. So one of the things I think that would help is if we look at it from the other side, and that is a lot of times we make decisions out of fear or avoidance. Mm, yep. And so if, if I know if I can walk through that, so a lot of times what I do is I end up just saying yes or working hard or moving into something that keeps me busy so I don't have to walk through that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if you know that you're avoiding something or if you're keeping something from that process, then it probably is going to be in your best interest to walk through that first to before, that. Yeah. you know, in other words, if I'm having a hard time deciding that may be a really good indication that you need to spend, a, like Ken said, a little bit more time yeah. walking through that kind of mm-hmm. uh, that processing. Uh, Coyote said, thank you, Mrs. Pastor. You were talking <laughs> to me. So they uh, they definitely resonated with uh, with the message. And Mr. C said, your yes does not mean anything until your no means something. All people deserve to be seen. The skill of spotting the unseen can be developed. And I, I think that's I think mm. that's true in all cases. So yeah. I would say we agree with you, Mr. C. <laughs> um, Anonymous said, I feel we have a responsibility, especially as Christians, to see the Marthas amongst us and help them out. I believe she really wanted to be seen just like her sister Mary. Do you think there are more female people pleasers than male? I thought <laughs> that was anonymous. That was the last question. It came in just before the chat went off. And I was like, ooh, there we go. Battle of the sexes. Is it more? Do you think there's one more than another? Yeah, there are there are statistics that support is that. that is that a statistic? Okay. Yeah. I was guessing, but I didn't I didn't know. Yeah. Is it a big is it a big margin or I mean I didn't look at it specifically, um, but I mean I know that when I was researching it, it said it, it referred to that, but I didn't do a, a deep dive. I don't know. Maybe you know more than me. I'm but. sure it's probably cultural how we understand it but yeah i'm i've never seen a statistic on it i don't even know if there is a way of measuring that but yeah i don't yeah it was like this one of the it was just women tend women can tend to struggle with this more but it was like it but i didn't like do a deep deep dive dive to see what that actually meant or whatever but i know there was a comment on that okay as i was reading and we have one more from our very special friend right here in orlando brand new member he's an in-house member every week though i think (laughs) i think you'll i think you'll recognize him it's ganashville tim (laughs) (laughs) Uh, <laughs> that's his new that's his new title they, oh the old my. chat the old chat booted him out and he had to create a new one and they he wouldn't let him use nashville so that's he had hilarious to put, uh, just, <laughs> so o-town tim i like that one yeah no he won't he won't adopt it i've tried to get him he's just he's still hanging on though All right. maybe later he's well, a stubborn one that but guy. wait a minute now he's a, <laughs> but he's officially official so maybe oh, yeah. now he should be o-town tim yeah i'm gonna talk to him true. next week yeah, we'll, we'll see, see. You know, maybe we can talk him into. You guys are going to be gone next week. Maybe we can. Uh, have, there we, go. we should have. We should have him on the podcast. Okay. Because we could use an extra person. There so. you go. There you go. Here we go. Uh, he said it seems possible to be a God pleaser, accepting everything from the Bible and being happy about anything religious or spiritual. For this kind of person, would it possibly create a more healthy relationship with God if we do some questioning or even arguing with God? I mean, I always think it's good to any any relationship that has any kind of depth has conflict. Mm. And so if you have no conflict with God, um, 
I very respectfully want to and gently question the depth of your relationship. You are so good with that. Did you, did you see how she just? <laughs> not, where was she? Where was she last week? When, not like Ken with a bull in a china. When Ken said the truth is progressive, <laughs> like it. Last week, we got, yes, we got some feedback on that. Yeah, yeah, Mariana, thank you for the feedback. After you had to go in, we talked about it some more, and it was good. But I just appreciated how gently <laughs> and how man, you just landed that plane. Like if that was a flight, we're like, oh, we're on the ground. Wow, applause. <laughs> 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 exactly. Yeah, tip your pilot on the way out, please. That was good. No, I agree. I think that that without without some conflict or without some questioning. It, it almost makes me feel like they're like I'm not invested. Like, how could I be invested if I agree with every last thing or everything that maybe I don't understand? So I would, I would, so agree. I think she's agreeing with you, Tim. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> well, you got the you got the Rochelle uh, positive gold star today. Yeah. Yeah. Teach well, gold star. And I think something that people pleasers struggle with a lot is conflict and professionally. I have figured out how to manage conflict pretty well, I feel like. And what I've discovered is, for whatever reason, it's easier professionally. But if you do a good job of listening and hearing somebody out and working through a problem, there's connection on the other side. And so I think Mm. the same is true with our relationship with God, that if you go to God with your honest self, that's not trying to be a behaved Christian for God as if he doesn't know um, (laughs) the real you. But if you're (laughs) allowing yourself to be real in front of God, that conflict is going to show up. But in the end, it's going to create connection. So I don't think, so as much as I have feared conflict in my life, if conflict is done correctly, it actually pulls you towards people, not away. Do you ever see a time or envision a time when you're like conflict and bring it on. Let's do this. It's like has the, <laughs> has the part has your realizations in your work personally on yourself and how you deal with conflict personally, professionally, do you feel like it's not a big deal as big a deal before or that you'll ever arrive at a place where you're just like, you know, I'm, I don't think this is such a big deal. Let's, let's just do this and get it over with. Or you don't have that as much of an uncomfortable. I don't know. I think that, your the people who know you closest are always going to be the people that are the hardest to have conflict with because they push on your blind spots that you don't really want to see. Mm. And I think you always don't want to see things and you always have to be fighting against that need to um, that desire to have that pride or I don't know whatever it is. And yeah. so I think that's just kind of a result of of being in a um a fallen world. Yeah. And I think the more, and, but I do think, yeah, ultimately when we're in heaven and Jesus makes everything right again, then yeah, I think that's where we'll land. But here on this earth, selfishness and um, personal short sights are always going to be hard to be dealing with. And it's just teaching yourself to be okay and work through that process. But I can't even tell you how many times Ken and I, we've been through just so much, and we're like, "Yay, we're there!" And then, no, we're not. And so, Can, and I just, you know, I don't know. It's true, though. You just there's so t- times when you feel like everything is just so right with the world, with your relationship, your marriage, and then, and it's like, wait a minute, like two days later, it's like, what happened? 
weren't we just all in this in a, in a happy place? And like you said, though, I think it's the the blind spots or the the soft spots that we don't see or that we don't know we're pushing, and maybe we don't even realize we're being pushed, but subconsciously things you know work, and then it, it comes to it just comes to a head and it's like, you know, the communication, everyone's like communication. It's so important. And it's really true because those are the only, it's only when you are communicating that, and you're willing to say, I don't even know what's wrong, but I'm a little miffed at you and I don't know why. And I think that's okay to say too. It's like, I don't know why I'm mad at you, but I am. And so let's just put that out, put that out there and, and uh, see what happens. Well, and as much as we as humans always hate this, if we are not, challenging ourselves we're not growing Mm, if you're just flying even then you're coasting yes and that might be easy and you might need to take a break and do that every once in a while but you're gonna have to have you're gonna we're gonna need to grow for the rest of our lives and so um you're gonna have to have that Russell, that but that doesn't that's not a bad thing it's though. not a bad thing as right. long as you can. i mean you're saying that with a smile on your face like we're gonna have to grow and you know a lot of times we hear that and you're like oh geez gotta grow gotta do more work gotta it can do be more. rewarding yeah. right but it can be rewarding if we're if, if we're you have the right up. mindset right. it's called a growth mindset that's an education term but yes so look, look, look that up and get good with it. Google it. Uh, there you go. That's Google, it. Google it. Google it. Google it. Rochelle Doctor, did. Dr. Google can help you. <laughs> Google done changed my life. So there you go. I think it's a good place for us to wrap it up. Rochelle, thank you so much for your message. It was, yeah. I really enjoyed it. I only caught it once. So, and usually that's, I usually get two or three cracks at it before we sit down for a podcast, but you carried the show. So you're, uh, you had everything in place and it was, uh, this was a great service. We had, yeah. you know, yeah, we everything had, was good. We had, uh, we had the choir. choir. We had, uh, yep. Ken as our host. We had Rochelle's sermon and we had surprise, amazing the- closing special music by Eric. I know. So right? I don't, I, if you haven't watched the service, I think you should probably go watch it once or twice or three times. And if you missed the message, swipe up in today's show notes, you will find a link to speaking of grace is where you will find Rochelle's message from this week and make sure to check it out. Or you can watch it YouTube, Facebook. You can go to our feeds there and you'll find them there as well. Next week we continue on. It's just going to be maybe the, maybe the Nashville Bachman's and Randy next week. Um, hey, you never know. See, see what, I know it. I know it won't just be that because our guest speaker next week is Audrey Gregory. That's it. It's going to be fantastic. And Audrey, I know I've seen her. She sings uh, in with. uh, She sings with our praise team. With the praise team, and then she is. She's an executive Advent Health, I believe. I've I believe I've interviewed her there before as well. So, I am looking forward to her message. And so, if you have anything that you want to add to this, as always, four zero seven nine six five one six zero seven or podcast at. Hospital church. Whoa, where did that? Ooh, I just said Advent wait Health. Wait a minute. Podcast at wholelife.church. Thank you very much. Wow, every once in a while that still comes out. There's still, there's still more episodes of that than there is of This it's Is Whole okay, Life, Randy, so it's hard. You're still growing. I'm still, yeah. It's, it's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a work in progress. So thank you all for listening and have a great week. 